Welcome to Nothing Moves Without Us, a black culture podcast where me and my co-host Thomas discuss the past 30 years of black media through music, entertainment, movies, and TV shows. I'm your host, Clifford. You just said Thomas, so I'm sticking with it. I, I'm, I'm right. Thomas. And, 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 and I already introduced Thomas. He, he, don't, he, don't, he doesn't want to speak for himself. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, uh, what's up, man? How's, how's everything going? Things are good, bro. Just uh, excited to be back on, on, on the podcast, in the podcast world with my brother. So. Right, right. <laughs> so before we jumped on, we were talking about Clubhouse. Um, you know, Clubhouse has kind of been the the final part of, of the series for us. So you know, we did Family Matters first two seasons, first two episodes, and then we did a Clubhouse at the end. And a Clubhouse for us was really just wanted to bring the conversation to a wide audience and kind of recap and gain new perspectives from listeners and viewers. Um, so today, you're like. You know, you're not feeling it. You're kind of done done with Clubhouse. So, yeah. What's what's the experience been? I just think Clubhouse, from the the pages that I've seen or the rooms that I've seen and been a part of, it's just there's no there's nothing happening for me. I feel like a lot of the the rooms I see that either really kind of entrepreneurship, business focused, or they're about dating and love and relationships. Right. Um, I feel like the dynamic that you and I bring and what we're, what we're looking to do and bring to the table, uh, I don't see on Clubhouse. So that's why we originally had a conversation. I was like, yo, we, it'd be great to have uh, part of the podcast be uh, on Clubhouse. But to be completely fair, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I haven't been on it as I could be, right? You know, like I haven't really been pushing it as I could be. So there are some opportunities there. But I just I'm just not feeling on Clubhouse. I'm thinking about deleting it completely right. <laughs> so uh, what about you i know you've been checking it out you've been even uh you, you'll be texting me and be like yo look what i found <laughs> yeah that, that was like you know i don't want to get into specifics but so, someone who we uh we had a conversation with a clubhouse like i saw him in a group or he had a, a title in his name that was just mad it's bigoted and i was like yo like people people are it's, it's a weird duality right like you, you get on a mic you get on, I mean, even us, like, you get on a mic in one aspect with someone, and you have these conv- enriching conversations, and then three days later, like, you find out they're racist or a bigot or that, you know, they're, they're shaming people. It, it's weird. But, I mean, it, it's life. Like, I can't, I mean, I've, I've been weeding off social media these past, maybe really this past year, just really focusing on just creating more and consuming less. Um, so, the only reason I got Clubhouse was for this podcast. And I think I've joined like maybe one room and I'm like, man, this really isn't for me, right? It's just talking. Like I, I can talk, this is talking, right? I'd rather talk to create something concrete and substantial. Um, but I mean, early on, early on when we first talked about it, and I, even to your point now, I think what we're doing is just wholly different and enriching. I mean, I've, from what you told me, like a lot of the topics on Clubhouse, but it's negative and toxic and bashing people and, you know, bashing different groups. So on my end, like, I'm, I'm hoping that it becomes a space to kind of just share, you know, share, share, share the culture, right? Share the culture, share the prog- progress, show, share perspectives and kind of be a breath, air, breath of fresh air from um, toxicity. So like, like you say, right, this is, this is what you look forward to every week. So I want, I want other people to kind of be able to chime in and like have, the podcast be what they look forward to in, in the week. Um, and I guess maybe for us, it's just kind of finding finding that that medium or that space where it really works. 
where we can have people engage and make it more interactive and fun. So, you know, that's a bit more, more work to do, more, more work to do on our end, I guess. Yeah. And you, you know, you also, you think about how people consume information and media these days and you and I were just two super laid back cats. We, 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 we watch, we listen to things that work for us. Right. And if we could do a podcast and have someone literally just share with the world, <laughs> do all the, the back end work for us, we'd be good. <laughs> so hopefully that happens right, one right. day. But I think uh, that's, that's, the, that's the biggest challenge for me is being able to share with the world. There's so many people I'm like, yo, I do a podcast now. And they're like, what word? Because I don't really share with the world like that. I kinda, right, right, right. And not that I don't want to, it's just, I just have a lot of other things going on. So, um, it's an honor to be able to rock out with my boy and have these. Now, now I, I, I would enriching conversations is one side, but also on a, on another end is really dissect our childhood, you know, dissect right, our history, right, right. Um, and that that's what makes it fun fun to me. I, I when I'm watching something, I'm like, yo, can't wait to share this this part with Cliff. I'll talk to Cliff right, about right, this. Right. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's. Good transition into this, you know, the, the a truly different world. <laughs> so, so, you know, for, so for quick, you know, quick week recap. Previous episode we did season one, and most of the conversation was just us confused. Like I don't, I don't know what what this is. I don't know where the show is going. I hope it picks up. Season two, episode one. It, it I felt like. You know, like, like I was living in a cave <laughs> for years and I came out for the first time and like, the, you know, that first episode is just enriching. It's rich, vibrant colors. The intro was just wholly different. The, it, it, I was listening to it last night. I was watching a few more episodes last night. I'm like, yo, this this has soul, right? Like the, the original intro didn't really have any soul to it. It was just like going through and flowing. And I'm just watching the intro. I'm watching the... um. Like the, that's the creative aspect. Like I never, I never really paid attention to the transition scenes, right? I just thought it was like one steady flow, but it's like different cuts. There's, yo, there's so much production behind that intro, considering you know what it was, you know, or rather for the time in the '80s. Um, what, what was your first impression on uh, episode one in, in that intro? I, I couldn't have said it better, bro. I was blown away. <laughs> Like it, it, when I turned it on and the, the intro came on, I was like, this is what I remember. Like I started right. to remember it again. And I was like, there's so, it's so much, so much depth in it. So it has so much depth, not depth, depth. Um, and I was just like, yo, this is crazy. Like even the whole, each, each, uh, I guess segment or, or each transition in the intro highlighted something that that person uh, either was going through or, or it just really showed their dynamic in the, in the uh, show. And I was right. just blown, I was just blown away. And then once I didn't see, uh, uh, who's, 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 uh, Denise, we, we know she was out, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Marissa Tomei, when I didn't see her character, I was like, all right. <laughs> and then when they introduced the new characters, uh, you know, they introduced Kim and they introduced, uh, Freddie. Right. It, it was just great. It was just it was it just made so much more sense. And and it, it what really stood out to me was when you and I were talking about uh, we when we talking about this on the podcast last episode where you were like, um, 
you know, there, there may be a reason why it's kind of happening this way, right? Like, it's the first episode, I mean, the first season, they're trying to figure out kind of the direction. There's a reason why it's happening this way. And is is this what a historically black college really feels like? Right? We, right. we, we were confused in season one. But right, season right, two, right. I, I knew it. I, I, was, <laughs> I was like, all right, okay, this is great. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, totally the, the total switch. I also appreciated that they didn't quickly die, uh, dive into the whole Dwayne and Whitney uh, Whitley thing. I really loved right, that. Right, it took right. some time to de- develop. That was great because um, I remember that being really, really pivotal throughout the series. Um, yeah, man, it was it was it was, it was great. <laughs> I'm so happy that we stuck to it because that first season was tough. Right, right. It's I, I like. Our agreement or the kind of general agreement for, for the second episode of TV shows is about three to four episodes a season, um, you know, between the two, the, the middle seasons. I couldn't stop watching, right? I, like, I started to see episode one. I was watching two, three, four. I think I went to, I think I watched, I might have watched the whole entire first season. Like, I, I, I could not stop appreciating just like, like just the representation, the dynamics, the humor, the unique characters, it, you know, it, it, it was fun. And like I said, I, I'm, I don't think I've really, I don't think I, I don't remember watching it as a kid. Like none of the episodes I watched sparked any memories for me. So I don't think I really cared about the show growing up. So it's, it's a new experience for me, like throughout, throughout the entirety of watching it. So I'm just like just lear- learning everyone's story and appreciating all the characters, seeing their growth, seeing their development, um, appreciating like the new characters that, that are coming through. Like Sinbad, like you know, I've 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 watched Sinbad comedies in the past, and it's like, yo, this dude has just been funny forever, man. Like it's, it's, this is what it should be. Like I think, like last night, I was going through season five, and I'm like, yo, like this is what, this is culture representation. Like I think the entire show features, um, I think all the different aspects of culture representation. Um, like a lot of it, I'm thinking about the relationship between adults and younger the younger generation which i feel is missing um yeah in modern tv i think in most times there's you know we always go back to blackish because i feel like that's kind of the default in terms of shows that i I really like watch or invest the time into and there's always this there's a disconnect between the younger generation and older generation you know there's disrespect there's you know you don't know what you're talking about but in this show all you see is the younger younger generation having the utmost respect for you know for mr gaines for the um this everyone and i'm like like this this is what it this is what it needs to be this is what this is what's missing from modern day culture i feel yeah a hundred percent yeah like it it, i think also was really really stunning to me was how everything you and i talked about from season one, I feel like it was answered they heard us. immediately. Like immediately, <laughs> like you know, Dwayne Wayne went from being this this annoying guy that wants to every woman to he still had he still had those moments, but he he was just intelligent. Like I think if if I remember episode one of season two, he was he was on the flight with was that was it season two or maybe season three? That's season three. Uh, episode when on, one when he was yeah, yeah. coming back from the internship, like. 
that that was that was so cool to me like, to see this right. brother dressed up in a suit and everybody showing him love and Whitley stunting on him like yo, <laughs> like like I said I, he, he he turned into Stefan Arkell. That's what I said. He turned into <laughs> Stefan. But but he's always been known as this super smart guy. Like you know, this episode there's an episode um, in season two where Sinbad asks him to tutor the, the football player, right? One of the football players and. You know he's he's a, he's a little apprehensive, like ah, I really don't. But then he then he like while he's tutoring tutoring him, he figures out like his learning style is different, right? Which is which is beautiful. Like it was just so, I, um, I, I was just I was just blown away. And you know when when uh when Freddie was introduced, it was cool to see someone really into Dwayne, like to see the see right, see, right, see, right. A, see a female into the male character who's not. He's not an asshole. He's not a. He's just a smart guy who, you know, he plays around because that's what you do in college. Um, and I, I just, I just was really, 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 really like. And and then and the cameos were incredible, man. Like as as the seasons went on, just random. Like you see Patty right. Labelle, and then you see like, bro, I was blown away <laughs> with certain cameos. I was like, yo, this is great. Um, I, I love it. I cannot wait to watch season six. I love it. I like that you brought up Freddie initially because I, I, I liked her, ca- her character initially. I liked that she was swooning over Dwayne and she was like this nerdy, geeky girl. And that, that's her character throughout most of the show. But it's, I think like even, even like as a dude, right? It, it's nice to see a woman like fawning over a guy, right? Like it's dope to, to see that. Like I think we all, we all, we all kind of, I think a lot of people, like you want, you want to see yourself in that situation. You feel valued and you feel appreciated having someone like really interested in you, even though you may not be interested in them. And I think Dwayne like went on on one date with her, but you know, he had, had his eyes set on Whitley, but eventually Freddie just, she just became this, she came, she became too quirky for me. Right. I, I, like I liked her quirkiness within the realm of chasing Dwayne, but then it was like, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like eh. there, there was this one episode of um, season five. So season five. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Well, she went, she was, she was trying to get into, I, I mean, I kind of watched this while I was falling asleep last night. She's trying to get into this African heritage class and she did this whole performance. Um, the, the class was booked, the class was booked and the Colonel's son tried to get in and he, like, he's supposed to write an essay and he wrote like a one line essay and the professor was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to cut it. So Freddie comes in the class. She's like, oh, you know, please let me, you know, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, I really want to get in your class, and he's like, you know, well, you, you know, you missed a shot, but, you know, it's, it's too late for a paper, and she's like, no, no, I have something better. So like, she turns off the light, she pulls out a flashlight, she does this whole entire beautiful, beautiful performance, like she's uh, like doing written word, um, maybe not written word, it's like poetry. She's has a flashlight, she's doing dance, she throws glitter around, and it's just like this whole beautiful performance, um. And you know she gets in the class, and I thought about all the other different, like going back to like cameos, and not even like guest cameos, but just the immersion of culture, like in um, season, what was it? Sorry, that season four. Uh, there's an episode called uh, "A Word in Edgewise," and they bring in the National Theater of the Deaf um, for Walter's outreach program, and you know that there, there is. I think there's two or three deaf people there, and they're you know they're, they're signing, 
there's this um why can't I get his name good? Yeah. I have to look it up, but this um one one of the the newer characters I, I forgot his name, but uh he's he's one of the like the one of the few main white characters or uh supporting characters. And he's like doing a rap while the while the the deaf guy is like signing throughout all of it. And it's just it's the immersion of culture, right? It's the inclu- inclusivity. It's it's allowing people just to kind of see that you know, like all aspects of life is, you know, we're, you know, we're all the same, we're all kind of experiencing the same life experiences and it, you know, it teaches acceptance, which I think is also important too. Yeah. You, you, you know, there are a couple of things that you said that, uh, and we, we always talk about certain episodes that stand out to us. And I know season one, we were like zero, <laughs> like, right, right, right. like, but in, uh, in, in the coming seasons afterwards, <clears throat> Season, uh, what is it? Season three, I believe. Let me see. Season, yeah, in season three, there's a uh, a specific kind of. I don't even know how to say it. There's a, there was there was an episode where Ron ran into, um, oh Ron, I guess Ron was trying to figure out what he wanted to do, and and he, he always, Ron was always a funny guy to me. Because he always used to get on Dwayne for not getting at Willie. Right. <laughs> so he'd be like, yo, he's like, yo, she, you know, she's really into you. And if you don't get out, I am. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. But, um, and I'm having trouble finding the episode as well. So I probably should have wrote it down beforehand. But there was an episode where he's, he's literally going from this, this guy that him and Dwayne, are really, really close best friends. So you can see them starting to kind of go their separate ways. You can see that Dwayne's starting to mature. He's starting to step into his manhood. And then Ron is just being, basically taking over Dwayne's role from season one. It's, right, right, right. It's right. like this savage type, type, you know, trying to trying to talk to every, every girl. And it was weird because I feel like season one, Ron, he, at the end of season one, Ron had like someone he was feeling. And then, and then even the beginning of season two, I, I believe he had a girlfriend or he, he was dating somebody. Um, so I thought he was crushing on uh, Kim mostly. No, nah, nah, he was dating some at the, at the beginning oh. of season two. He was dating somebody, okay. uh, and he he was dating multiple girls throughout the series. Like it, it's it switched up because remember, I don't know if you if you remember the episode where him and Dwayne were working on a project together. They were working on like a class project, and he was he rather hang out with the girls than work oh, yeah, on a project, yeah, yeah. and Dwayne had to do all the work. And uh, he tried to be slick. I think it was actually maybe episode one or two in uh, season two. And he tried to be slick and get a paper, buy a paper for somebody, and Dwayne tricked him. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that had me dying. I mean, at, at the end of that episode, I was literally in tears. It was so well done. He was like, he tricked me. And Dwayne's like, he said I'm good at what I do, you know? Right. Um, uh, it's uh, season two, episode two, <laughs> the, the Gentleman of Hillman. Dwayne and Ron team up on a philosophy research paper. Yeah, yeah. so so you know those those episodes are really really cool to me because it kind of showed their brotherhood. But even in addition to that, you saw Dwayne maturing. Um, right. And then I, I thought what they really did really well with the show is, depending on what year you were in, you can see the the uh, you can see how the person's growth from you know freshman to sophomore to junior like each character whatever year it was in when you when you went to the next season you could see them grow as as a young adult um yeah. that though was really 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 dope so 
Um, and it's funny that sorry, go ahead. No, no, no that's, that's what I have. It's funny that you brought brought up Ron, Ron up because Ron became my least favorite character, and I didn't even think about him replacing Dwayne. I think that's partly why I stopped liking his character. He was just he, he was just annoying, just whining all the time, and just you know going back to thirsty. Just it's like yo, relax, bro. And you know, like going back to your point of seeing the evolution of people's growth, right? In season, I believe it's season five. He's barely graduated, right? He had to he he lies to his his dad about graduating, right? And like those are the consequences of him not maturing, which which I think is is a dope thing to consider. Yeah, he also it, it's it was an episode where he uh, he got like it was like a really serious episode. Of, it was about like homelessness. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, I watched that one too. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I let me see what uh, it was in uh, season four, episode eight. Um, where Ron learns this lesson about homelessness, and he's like giving all this. He's in he's in class, and he talks about how homeless people could work; they could get jobs. Why they? I guess they do. And everybody's like, right, right. "Nah, it doesn't really work that way." And then he actually has an experience where he runs into someone from, uh, you know, a popular restaurant that end up in the I guess end up closing um, because the owner had to do some stuff with it. I don't know if he was the owner. I guess he was one of the employees. He had to. Uh, take care no, of no, mom. He, he, oh, he, owned, he it. owned it. It was, oh, yeah. it was, it was his, uh, it was his barbecue spot. Yeah. So he ends up going to take care of his mom, and for whatever reason, uh, things didn't work out. He couldn't maintain, and he, he ends up becoming homeless. Ron runs into him and tries to help him. Um, and, and it really, he he uh, he learns throughout, throughout this process that it's just not that easy. Like life, right. life, life doesn't come at you that easy. And I thought that was an extremely powerful episode for him. Cause it wasn't he wasn't the jokester, he was he had, he had moments, but you know when when he uh, invited the guy to spend the night, he's like, hey, stay at my house, and then you know tomorrow we can get you back on your feet, and the, and the gentleman was like, that's not really what I want. Like it's a lot of work for me to do all that stuff, and you don't understand. And I just thought it was really cool to see Ron, Ron's humility, like in that in that space, um, and you could tell throughout the seasons when there was something that was really near and dear to him. He was he was uh he was a little more mature, but when it was anything that had to do with women, he was just out of control. But, um, and, and you're right. I think Kim. Uh, the thing about Kim that I really love is that Kim, if I'm not mistaken, she was a she was she was her major was to become biology. A doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's gonna be a doctor. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which 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 is great, right? To see to see our, someone, you know, this her and Whitley when they first get together in season two. Arguing over the over the uh, the poster, <laughs> like arguing over this poster of of uh, the human the anatomy. Human anatomy, yeah. It was just it was just so cool. I, I was like, this is so cool. They're not arguing over like just pointless shit. They're actually it, it was a dumb argument, but it, it was cool to see that this this woman and Kim wasn't with Willie's bullshit. She was like, you're not gonna be right. treating me any type of way, even though I'm coming in new. Um, and their dynamic was great too. I, I just I, I have to apologize to not Bill Cosby because I don't think he had much to do with it. But I, I really believe, and I, I try to find more information on it. But it, it sounds like Debbie Allen was the one who, like, you know, made it happen. Uh, her and obviously there were other other writers and directors a part of the show as well. But uh, just the creativity and the blackness, and even even the, the episode with the, when they protest. The radio show, 
Oh, the radio station, the Wayne's radio station. I don't think I don't think I watched that one. <laughs> yeah, there was an episode where they actually uh, it was in season maybe season four where they they actually have like a a full on protest. Uh, it was in season it's like season three, um, but uh, the the way he plays he plays a track without getting it cleared. And the dean was like, "Yo, you know, you, we're gonna kick you off the radio radio station, or you know, your radio show's closed." And the the school, the students come together and protest his radio station. Come to find out, the the song he didn't get cleared was like super ratchet, and it wasn't supposed to be played anyway. So he has right. he ends up having to apologize. <laughs> but they they all band together to like protest his cause. Like all the students come together, they go to radio the radio station. They they're like, we're not leaving until Dwayne's back on air, and it's just really cool to see them come together. But also, when he when he finds out that he's dead wrong, he actually speaks up and he apologizes. Right. And it just like like you said, there was so much there was so so much more. When, after watching it, an episode that I was like, I feel really good. Like I feel right. I, I learned something from this, and. Yeah, man. Now I see why people love because after season one, when I when I I told a couple of my friends about you know you you and I you, our thoughts, and they were like, "What? Like this show is incredible." I'm like, "Nah, bro, it's trash. Like it's <laughs> season one is gar- like it's terrible." And then now watching it season two through five, it's it's been such a breath of fresh air, and I'm actually glad season one was the way it was because it shows it like really really what a show can be. It shows a development. Like it shows, right. it, 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 I, I, I learned a lot from a, from a TV standpoint and production standpoint. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I really like your point about them maturing. And I'm also thinking about you brought up Kim's major and just <clears throat> the diversity in all of their majors, right? Like they're the traditional, um, like stereotypical perspective, right? Is just, you know, be a doctor and a lawyer and just kind of do fall into line and just do the, you know, do do what everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, do what everyone else does. But you consider, you know, Ron's a math, sorry, it's not Ron, excuse me. <laughs> Wayne's a math genius, right? Um, Kim is doing, uh, she wants to be a doctor. I don't know what Ron's major is. I, I looked it up, I, I couldn't find it. But, you know, Whitley was, um, I believe she wanted to work in museums or like to sell sell art or like be an art art, art yep. curator, and there's all these different opportunities to kind of see yourself as a, like see yourself through it, right? And I think that's something that that's missing. Like when we think about other shows, you know, go back to Family Matters, you just see these kids in high school. You know, Eddie ends up being a, a, a cop because his dad was a cop, but. You see, like with Patty, Patty LaBelle, you know, she gets stars as Dwayne's mo- mother, yeah. and she's telling a story about how she brought him to one of his accounting classes as a kid when he was a kid, and <laughs> the teacher like finishes an answer, and Dwayne's like, "Hold on, <laughs> you made like, you made a mistake," and it's ever since then the teacher's like always a- asking him to double check, uh, double check the work, and you know, as a, as a parent, you see that gift and you. You, you like you cultivate it, right? You cultivate your child's natural gifts, um, and you see you see them you see them blossom until whatever that 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 uh, I guess the, whatever that field or whatever that passion is for them. You know, for Whitley, it's for Whitley, it's the high end um, 
I use the word bougie lifestyle. <laughs> so they, they called her. But she found she looks for a career within that realm that allows her to, you know, honor who she is as a person, but still learn about what she cares about while still being immersed in the culture and um, like the passion that comes with the with with the art lifestyle. Yeah, it, it, there was so much really spot on um, just topics and spot on points. Um I just spent a couple minutes trying to find the episode, the specific episode that like really uh, was really is really dear to me. I'm, I'm I watched it like a couple times, so I don't know why I didn't write down the. Uh, I probably didn't write write it down because I was so into it, but um, but there's an episode where Dwayne goes to Walter and he's like, he's like, it's probably season two, season three, and he's like, hey man, I don't want to take uh, Colonel Taylor's class. I hear his classes. He's a calculus teacher, and he's like, I yeah, I think class. that's season two, episode one. I think that's the first. Oh, one. Oh, it's episode one. Okay, he and he's yeah. like, I want to take this class, and and uh, he's like, you gotta help me get out of it. And instead of Walter being like, Walter plays along with him, right. but but instead of him just like, I'm gonna go get you out, he actually go talks to Colonel Taylor and finds a way to make it into something that actually is feasible for Dwayne to want to do. And then at the end of the episode, the work Walter went in to have the conversation with Colonel Taylor to get Dwayne to kind of see it in a different perspective, he didn't even need because Colonel Taylor ends up connecting with Dwayne and Dwayne ends up taking his class. And and it was just great to see this dynamic again with all these black men coming together. You know, him him not shunning Dwayne, him not attacking him, him, even even the end when when they're when he's getting his classes and Colonel Taylor's like, I want to challenge you. Like I want you to come to my class and be challenged. You know, I, I just I just thought that was such a beautiful thing. And there, there there's a lot of that sprinkled throughout these seasons where you see, you know, people come together in ways. You know, you and I talked about Letty last in season one. There's several things that Letty does in in in, uh, in seasons. Uh, after um until she she's no longer in the, in the, in the uh, show but just her dynamic and um Walter I'm still confused with what he does cuz he's a coach one season he's a dog director one season he's a basketball coach like he, he's a jack of all trades I I'm convinced right 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 um and I just love how he him him and uh Jalissa like we kept calling her Jalissa him and Jalissa right. how she how he just was like it is Jalissa though it isn't we we were we were saying it wrong. So either either it is Jalisa, and we were saying Jalissa. We we okay, when okay. I listened back to what we we said, we were killing her name. I'm pretty sure it's Jalisa. That's that's yeah. what it was. Um, but even his him and her and that dynamic and how he he treats her and how he 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 has this comedic relief, but it's so positive, it's so respectful. Like he does it in such a cool way. Um, I, yeah, man, you you. You hit it on the head with, you know, kind of just how it's important to be open minded to what was to come. Because I, I was ready to tap out after season <laughs> season one. <laughs> I, I, I like that you brought up um, like the representation of specifically black men, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about older black women too. But yeah, you know, Colonel Taylor, Mr. Gaines, like on the surface, they're hard people, right? They're hard because they. They they've been through 
like the civil rights, they've been through like the hardships of like the black experience. So, you know, you saying it and me thinking about it now is like understanding that they're hardened for a reason, right? Now you're a colonel for a reason. Like you, you've been through the, the the grit and grind of the military to kind of become that person. So yeah, you're, you're always going to have this initial stigma and fear that surrounds your name and presence. But the only thing you really want from people is like for them to work hard, right? Like f- follow your path and honor honor your workload, honor the responsibility responsibility you have. And that's definitely what Colonel Taylor like showed off initially. Like while you know. Coercing Dwayne to you know join his class, Mr. Gaines just yo hello. he he's just a funny dude. I love that dude. <laughs> um in the in the, in the, the episode award in Edgewise, the other the other side of the episode is Dwayne and Whitley doing a bet, <laughs> saying that Whitley can't stay quiet for twenty four hours. So in the beginning of the episode, Whitley's in the the pit is talking, and Mr. Gaines just like mm hmm. You don't say. And he's cleaning. Mm-hmm. And then, um, oh, I can't remember her name. Kim comes up to him. She's like, waves her hand in front of him. And he takes out earplugs. <laughs> so he's like, man, that girl just won't stop talking. <laughs> and I, yo, I'm cracking up like, yo, this, this dude is like, you know, you, you still support, right? You support the younger generation. But like, you don't, you don't deal with it. You don't deal with too much of that bullshit because you know she's gonna be okay. You know she's gonna keep talking and and, and enjoying herself. Um, and I, I love, I love seeing that. I love seeing Patty Labelle guest star. I love seeing her big up her son. Um, I love, I love Jaleesa's and um, Walter's dynamic. Like you brought up also. Yep. You know they <laughs> did you see the episode where they almost got married? No, they almost got married. Yeah, it it was just kind of out the blue. I mean, you know, he was courting her shoe. She was dating someone else. And, you know, he he got friend zone. That's what I thought about when when I saw him. He's in a friend zone, but he's still he's still working for it because he he, he wants her. He believes it it would be right. He was nice. Yeah. Proposes to her and they're going through the whole thing. Right. It's like five minutes left in the episode. (laughs) They're dressed up. They're in um, the dorm. The uh, uh, what's the name of the dorm? Uh, the Hilt- Gilbert, Gilbert dorm. House, the Gilbert Gilbert House dorm. They're at the altar, and the the uh, the priest is the priest of the minister. Or the um, I can't think of the word. Excuse me. <laughs> the, the the you know <laughs> the person who does the marriage ceremony <laughs> is um like you know anyone have an objection? And they're both like I do. No wait, you don't want to marry me? You don't want to marry me? She's like, uh, yeah, you know, it just feels rushed. And they're like, everyone, wedding's off. And it's like, what? But they still cool, right? And then down the line, you get into season five, episode one, her and Colonel Taylor get married. I'm like, yo, what? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> but again, it's 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 dope just to see the the growth, the transition. You know, maybe Walter's just a little too goofy for her, right? She wants someone a bit more mature and stable, right? Um, yeah, yeah, man. It, it's 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 a lot of representation. There's a lot of representation. There's a um episode where they go to, where you know Walter does like a lot of, a lot of outreach work. So Whitley goes down to the out, outreach center, and she's doing like this Alvin Ailey, um, Alvin Ailey, like the, the 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 black ballet school in New York, and Alvin Ailey was a, was a black man. Um, 
And they're doing like a, a ballet on a stage in front of these kids. And this kid goes, she's not a ballerina. She's black. And it's like, what? And Whitley's like, what? And Willie, you know, Willie just, you know, puts him in his place. And it's, you know, all these little cues, right? All these little cues and the conditioning of, you know, what most people are used to seeing. You're used to seeing white ballerinas, right? But Whitley has been dancing ballet for God knows how many years. So these young kids learn that, yo, it's not, it's not about that. It's not about white or black. Anyone can really do anything. And that's kind of the overall theme of the show, like the, like the episode with the, the, um, the National Theater of the Deaf. Like that's a, every, anyone can do anything, right? Like someone asked one of the, the, uh, the main deaf guy, um, like, what is it like to be deaf in the world? And he's like, well, it's same thing like being black or white. And he's signing, he's like, same thing like being black or white, um, tall, short, like, like you just, it is what it is, right? Like my experience is my experience. Like I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see myself within it. I just adapt to how my life is, and I, you know, I sign. Or I have people. Or I read lips. Or I have people who um, translate my, my sign into words for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, when you brought up the whole thing about how uh, uh, Jaleesa's transition from. Walter, um, is 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 I just think about like that's real life. Like sometimes you 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 connect with someone, you guys have a great connection, you date, it doesn't work out, you cool, and you move on. Right. And and it, it's positive, you know. And and I just that that was something I just loved so much about just a lot a lot of the a lot of the things or a lot of episodes that would start with a challenge. In in most cases, it was something positive. Like, you know, yeah. I I remember uh, the episode. I think it's also episode one or two from season two, when uh, Kim and Freddie are trying to get a job, and they go down to the pit. Mister <laughs> Gaines is like, you know, peel a sweet potato. <laughs> it's so funny. Freddie's hilarious. And Freddie like Freddie's like. Scraping it and cutting it up, and Mister Gaines is like, "What the hell?" <laughs> He's like, "No, I just need the job for you." He he says something so funny. I should have wrote down a call. He was like, "What did you used to do before?" And she was like, "I think I think she was like I used to work." Damn, I can't remember. She said I used to work somewhere. He's like, "Yeah, I could tell." <laughs> um, and she ends up not getting a job. Kim ends up getting a job, but instead of Kim like throwing in her face, Kim's like, "There are other opportunities out there for you, but go hard." Like. If you really want right. this job, go hard. And I don't think she, I, she doesn't end up getting a job, but she does go back and she's like, I really want this job. And he, Mr. Gaines is still like, nah, it ain't happening. But it was cool to see. I mean, he tells her like, go, 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 uh, plant, plant trees. I forget yeah, he's like a plot. He's like, he's like, there's other jobs on campus. Go try other things. But it, but it was interesting to me how, once again, Kim then shut her. She didn't tease her. She didn't throw it in her face. She was like, hey, if you really want this, you got to go out and fight. She's like. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was all about having experience. Kim had experience right. in, in in the food industry. Uh, Freddie didn't. So Kim's like, if you want to get experience, you got to start somewhere. So, you know, go go for what you believe in. And it just was so beautiful to see it. Instead of her being like, fuck you, I got this job. Um, right, right, right. And I, I just really, to your point, these first couple of episodes, I was like, before you knew, I, I watched six, like six, seven episodes. And it only half an hour. So it, it just went by right, really right. quickly. Um, so I de- I de- I'm definitely there with you on that, and 
you know, I, I guess I, I want to ask you because, uh, you know, season one, you you had we don't even have to talk to talk about Denise. Let's just take, take Denise out of the picture. But I, I I'm I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts around, you know, having a white character and Marissa Tomei Tomei being having a a prominent role to not really having white people in, you know, the, the subsequent uh, seasons. So do, do you think there was something missed? How, how do you, how you, how, what are your thoughts about that? Cause I, I have an interest in, I have a, I have a thought on it, but I would love to hear what you think. Give me one second. I, I just want to pull up um, Matthew. That's who it was. So Matthew was Freddie's cousin. Um, and he was, I, I brought him up earlier. And, and so like, just to kind of transition into into your question, um, but they have him as a token white guy in a different world who everyone loved. He was Freddie's cousin, so he had a bit of an inside track to him in college. Um, what I think was missed, or oh, if there was anything missed, I don't think there was. I think the only the only thing that would be missed would be like cliche race conversations, um, or cliche racial tensions, or trying to educate white people about black experiences but i don't i don't it, it, so like even even in season one with mercer to me i don't think they really kind of went there um yeah i don't think they brought up any like real racial issues which i think is dope because it, it doesn't it doesn't always need to be that um and i think freddie's cousin doesn't come in until season four i didn't even notice honestly like until he showed up, I was like, "Oh, oh. I was like, oh my god, I haven't seen a white person talk who wasn't like a server or waiter in this show for that long. I didn't even notice it." Um, so I don't, I don't think anything was missed. I, I think the, I think the point of the purpose of the show, as it is, is to show that within the, 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 um, the collective experience. Within like the the unity, like going back to the episode where you where you, sh- you shared about Dwayne show and then protesting, like that innate and also Matt, Matthew, uh, Freddie's cousin, he wasn't even in uh, Hillman. He was in Avery, which was a another like sister school in the area. But I think it it it, it showed. I know it's TV, so I'm, I want to be careful. I, it shows how enriching and free, supportive, and loving blackness can be without outside influence. I, I think I think that's that's kind of my answer. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I appreciate you sharing that because I think for me to answer the question, I don't I don't think anything was missed. I think it was great, and I don't think it was great to see blackness. Uh, see blackness on such a high level um you know growing up in inner city in new york to to see someone to 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 witness what higher education could be from a tv show i could just imagine you know black people all around the country and you know your south centrals and your chicago's you know south side of chicago's and, and watching this show and being like you know i aspire to have experiences like this when I graduate like, like it does exist and it doesn't matter where I'm from right they had you know we talk about um, Jaleesa being from Jersey and Dwayne from Brooklyn or I don't know Brooklyn but he's from New York um, and it, that that was something that 
I just really, really thought being, if I was in my teenage years and early 90s, um, I, I see why a different world is what it is now. It, may, it makes sense for me. Um, and then the, the cameos were of prominent figures. Like it wasn't, these cameos wasn't just some guy off the side of the road. A lot of cameos were, were black actors who paved the way in their own right from movies, shows, theater, like all these, they, 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 you know, when I see their faces, I'm like, I know this person. And then I had to go look it up and I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember him being in this movie yeah. or that or her doing this thing or that thing. And I, uh, I, I watched a uh, conversation interview with the cast um, and I believe it was Ron that shared there was an episode where I thought we weren't supposed to do that. You skipping ahead, man? No, 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 no. no. I, I'm just sharing this. I just want to share this one thing. I'm not going to. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm gonna get into it. <laughs> I'm already. I, I know we always talk about that last, but it it, it wasn't a re. It was just literally like a minute clip because I was I was looking at all the uh, extras and cameos, and there's a clip where I believe it's Ron. It might be Dwayne, but it was one of the guys where they talk about. There was an episode that they filmed that they were surrounded by literally like black historians. Like you look to the right, you look to the left, <clears> and you know you have like like the pile of bells and the Gladys Knights and 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 it's just mind blowing. They just and he's like he's like yo, I'm on this show, <laughs> like I'm a part of this, um, right. and it was enriching and you know it was encouraging and that that's what I took away from the show. Like I'm I'm I, obviously we haven't watched every single episode, but I can't lie. Even after we finish our, our you know, our podcast episodes, I'm gonna go back and watch. Like I really, I probably watch it in a row because I've been watching them. I've been watching them at random to get a couple episodes in every season. So, but I'm literally gonna go back and watch, watch them back to back. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really proud of of what it represented. And I, and I hope because we talk about blackish, blackish is cool, but I, I think. It, obviously, there's different dynamics because we're in a different time, but I hope there are there, there's continued shows that will be continued. That we will continue to build shows that are as uh, thoughtful when it comes to the black experience as what we saw or right. what we're seeing from a different world. Yeah, um, I mean, <clears throat> there was at the end of season. What really stood out to me in terms of the the older generation, the younger generation coming together and like tying to your point about them having these prominent figures in black media or just the black experience with the civil rights movement was um season two, episode twenty two. There's a no place like home. <clears throat> and in the final it, I mean, like you know, comparing it to season one, however however the final episode of season one, like I barely remember. But at the end of season two, the final episode, final scene is everyone in a pit. Mr. Gaines is paying piano and is singing the song called The Mean Children Blues. And everyone's just singing and laughing and having a good time. And I'm like, yo, this is so, so beautiful, man. It's like it's it's humbling just to see the again, the connectivity, the collectiveness, <clears throat> the generations, right? The generations that's coming together and is having a good time laughing and smiling. Um, and it, like, I, I think, you know, like we, t we talk about connecting it to the present. So I think 
when you're younger, right? If me, even even me, I think, you know, knowing myself, when I was younger, I, I wouldn't even consider that, right? I'd be on it for the laughs. Like I said, the family matters, uh, Martin Fresh Prince. I'm just watching the laugh. But as an adult, watching it and seeing the representation and, and on my own, right? Like if, if I'm... <clears throat> If I've done my due diligence, due diligence as a black person growing up, right, when I see Alvin Ailey's name as an adult, as a 35-year-old, I should know who that is, right? I should know, I should know some of the key players in black history. So going back and watching it, and again, for me, for the first time, I'm making these connections, right? And although I know the names and you know, I may see them in passing or read in passing, seeing them actually be represented and seeing the younger, seeing the significance of the representation, right? Yet she, she's not black. <laughs> she, 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 she's not a ballerina. She's black, right? Like it, it, it means, it means a lot. It means a lot. Um, and I think I really, I really honestly feel like to your point of like watching everything all over again, watching it in its entirety, that it, it's what, I think like it, it represents what this what this podcast is, right? That like I, said, I think I said this earlier. That I think the show in its entirety is a full spectrum of Black culture and what it means to kind of be Black, um, and all kind of all all the different layers. You you brought up uh, I forgot what you brought up initially, but but one thing I wanted to ask you about was with the fraternities, and um, I guess just kind of like your general thoughts on fraternities and black fraternities and how they're represented and how you see them fitting in with it within black culture, either in the past or, you know, current currently. Yeah, it's it's a hard question to answer because I, I didn't go to a university. I went to, I went to a couple of city colleges and I, I didn't stay in it. I don't know much about fraternities or sororities, but, you know, from what what I do know about them, they're all based in and brotherhood, you know, they're all based in history, brotherhood, um, especially the black ones. Um, and, you know, seeing it in the show, it reminds me of movies like Stop the Yard and, and right, right, right. Like, like seeing it in movies. But, but, uh, but what was, what was really interesting about this show is that, you know, you hear sometimes, even, it's, it's so crazy you ask this question, because many, maybe like a couple of years ago, there was uh, something I saw on the news about a young man, white white fraternity, white young man who ended up dying because of some hazing that was happening, and hazing was a big thing. Um, and you hear a lot about that, and you you watch it in a show like this, and you don't see that dynamic, like, right. which is which is it's a very interesting thing that they don't talk about it like that. And maybe back then in the eighties and early nineties, it wasn't a big thing, which I, like I said, I'm not really familiar with uh, fraternities like that. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because I'm, I'm not really well versed in them, but I do know people, everybody I know that are in fraternities and sororities that are in black, more, more black fraternities and sororities. They live and die by it. There's a, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's this honor it's like, it's like they're honored to be a part of this. And, and, you know, like I said, the brotherhood and the sisterhood and, you know, you're in it for life because you, you're a part of this family. Um, and that's something that, uh, I, I guess in some ways I wish I, I, I would have took part in when I was going to school, but I feel like I'm I, in I don't feel like, 
I don't feel like you would you would do, do well in a fraternity. I don't feel like you you let you be hazed or you would. I don't I don't feel like you would, you would put up with any of that. Well, not thirty four year old me, but twenty one year old me maybe. I, I was tough. Right, right, right. I was tough when I was twenty one. So I, I, you know, I was I was that. I always been kind of no nonsense. But if right. I knew if it was for a cause for me to be a part of a larger uh, reasoning, right, or, or a larger brotherhood, I, I probably I, I would have took it to an extent. You're right. There was a point I'd have been like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the same for me. Um, but uh, uh, but hey, it worked out the way it worked out. <laughs> like I'm, right, 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 right. I made it. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I've always, oh, sorry. No, no, I was gonna say that's that's a great question. I, I wish I had more info to uh, to give you. I've I've always been um, and I've I've never joined a fraternity. I, I mean, I lived on campus. I've seen black fraternities. I know a couple, a few people. Um, maybe like maybe like one person in a in a black fraternity. Um. They've just always been weird to me. Like the so on one aspect, there's like like you said, there's a brotherhood, right? And granted, that's what all fraternities are for. But the making it a a black fraternity, and granted, I know you don't need to, you shouldn't have to add black in front of it. Fraternity should just be a fraternity. But I've I've always uh, what's the right word? Wondered or and I always wondered, like, why f- honor the the Greeks, right? Like, why honor the the foundation of like the Greek characters, and why aren't fraternities rooted in like you know African roots or you know something more central to to, to blackness? Um, so, like, when I when I watch the episode, I see it, and I you know I see the the um the stomping and the the representation and the initiations. I get it, but I don't know, you know, you know, we always, I'll be always talking. I would say there's, there's room for more, right? There's, there's, there's room for more. I think there's different ways to kind of um, pull more from the experience or like really, really, or truly make it more central to like what the black experience is. Um, And I I pulled up this article real quick called uh, the divine nine sororities and fraternities on HBCU campuses. So uh, HBCULifestyle.com. Like since 1930, the National Pan-Hellenic Council has served as a premier organization for African-American fraternities and sororities. NPHE was founded at Howard University to support black college students who are searching for a voice community and shared identity as they as they pursue their, their education. Um, and the organization plays a vital role in connecting the, um, the black collegiates is they fought for equal rights and fair treatment under the law. Uh, that is the Greek organization. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's always been weird to me that it's just this Greek. I think that's always kind of th- thrown me off a little bit. But you know, that's that's me. That's me always nitpicking, right? The bigger picture and the mo- most more important thing is the brotherhood. Is giving voice, um, creating communities. Like the 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 few people I know that are in um, fraternities, like you said. Like you live by it, like like those are your brothers for life. They look out for each other. They support each other, um, and you know it's 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 a uh, niche community that I think is definitely needed and and important. Um, I just I just wish they they would have helped Ron out to do that. <laughs> That's <school>. funny. <laughs> you know, you know, you just said something that I, I that I actually don't like about fraternities, and it actually really bothers me. Is when you uh, 
when you may be in one and you know I may mistake you for being in another. I don't know what they mean. Right. And uh, I had a conversation with a friend about this, and he he he's a Kappa, and I and I mistaken mistaken for something else, and he was like, "Don't you ever do that." It was like I broke a law. I mean, I was going to be arrested, and I and I I told him I said, you know, I don't mean any disrespect. You know, I wasn't I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but if it bothers you that much, maybe I do. Um, that's just kind of you know you know me. So I was like, if it bothers you that much, maybe hey, maybe maybe there's a reason why I said it the way I said it. But I bring it up is because in there's the episode with the when it, when uh, Whitley is kicked off of the step the step team type thing, right, but Jalisa's right, right, right. like Jalisa's like I'm done. Get, I got it, and then they need Whitley back. Um, why does it always have to be a competition? Right, that 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 was something that popped into my head too. Right, like, right, right. you know, you have these step competitions, the drum lines, comp- everything's a competition. Um, not to say that, and once again, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm naive to to college life, so I don't know if they do like events where everyone's coming, all all the fraternities are coming together and volunteering, or is it just one on the north side of campus, one on the south side? Like, I don't, I don't know, so I don't want to. I don't want to overstep, but I but I do find that when you when I watch anything that have to do, do with fraternities or sororities, it's always one against the other. <laughs> it's never yeah. them working together in unison. Um, so that that's a good point. It reminds me of African tribes, you know, before slavery. Uh, you know, we always hear about how you know African the African people one tribe would would sell out the other tribe, you know, and and. Kind of reminds, <coughs> reminds me of that, um, you know. And once again, I don't know all the dynamics from 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 uh, from those times, but what I've seen on these shows and movies is it's always one against the other, rather than being like, "Hey, how about we come together for the greater good?" Um, so that's you kind of kind of popped into my head when you were, when you were sharing that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's an important. Um a conversation, a perspective to bring up, right? Like, like making a correlation to tribalism, right? Tribalism is the group that I'm in is all that bad is don't, you know, don't, don't associate me with anyone else, anything else. But if the root of the fraternity or the sorority is rooted in black unity, why well, take offense if I don't know or if I'm not aware if the the, the core what the work is supposed to be is rooted in blackness. Um, and I think that's what the, the National Pan-Hellenic Council does. I think their, their, their job is to kind of bring the, the different fraternities and sororities together to, um, I guess, work on bigger picture ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so, you know, may, maybe, so I guess, like, from, what, from what, they, what it says they do, right? I don't know what it says they do. There is a united effort. We just don't know in what capacity, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's I mean, you know, we kind of go into like the, the, you know, blackness and blackness and whiteness, right? Like you brought up the idea of competition, um, and the the theme for blackness usually feels like unity and tribalism, but then we subvert into smaller groups and we forget that the like I think I, I might have brought this up in a previous episode, or I mean, I, I, I talk. I've been talking about this a lot. That 
the black experience feels like it's in a better place, right? It feels like it's, it's a better place. You know, we had all of last year. It feels like this progress. But my perspective is the only, only reason it feels that way is because we've we've gone into these such small groups, right? We've gone to these small groups where, you know, my the 10 people I fuck with or just the 10 people I fuck with, we're all doing good, right? And our, you know, we have, we've, we, we made progress. But we don't realize that the collective experience is still struggling. Um, I mean, you know, and for me, that's that's part of the that's the long term effect of, I mean, everything, everything going on recently. Um, but yeah, yeah. But even and this is a little off topic. But even when you look at progress, you can't. I believe you can't have progress without having goals, right? right? So I think a lot of times when it comes to blackness. Um, or, or the black culture, when things happen for us, that wasn't a goal for us. <laughs> we we didn't have that goal collectively, but it was it's cool it yeah. happened. Um, so yeah. I, I think you know if it if it's you know police reform or if it's you know voter rights, if if, if these things you know prison reform, if these things if we have these goals and they're not being they're not nothing's happening, but then you know. They just let this guy out who was wrongfully convicted 50 years ago. And we're like, oh, celebrate. We're posting it. We're safe. Right, 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 right. They're like, oh, it's a win. Realistically, progression for me needs to be measured. I need to be able to measure it. I need to be like, this is the five things that we we, we tried to do in 2020. We were able to accomplish three. Great. Um, yeah, the, the small things are cool. Like, yeah, Juneteenth being a holiday. That's it's cool. But that, that was that a goal for the for the culture per se? So, um, a little off topic, but I, I think you know what, what you're saying is spot on when it comes to understanding that that you know you if I'm winning and you're winning, I don't care if I walk past a guy on the street that maybe homeless is not winning. I don't care because my people winning. Like, no, nah, right, that's right. Oh, I'm Ron. I'm in college. I'm, we good, right? This yeah. go to this. Get a job, like, right? Like, nah. And as a, as you know, I talk about, uh, I say us because I really believe in human, like us as humans, right? Um, I'm really big on that. Like, I, I'm a black man. I get it, but a, a lot of what happens in my life and people that I've I've connected with, some some of the best opportunities I've gotten both personally and professionally were from people of other races. It wasn't, it was because I did a good, I was, I was qualified or, and it, it doesn't yeah. always go that way. I understand there, are, there are discrepancies and kind of how things work. I get it. But I also believe that you can't, there's no such thing as progress without goals. I just like, it just, in my mind, it doesn't work that way. Like, yes, things can progress and you didn't create a goal for it. But at some point you have to be like, yo, this, is a goal to get to this point. Um, so, yeah, I feel you know, it feels like, like to your point, that it ends up just being a fluke, right? Like, if the, if if this isn't something that we work toward, if it's something that we didn't be planned, it just happened because it happened, right? Because someone else in power said we're gonna do this, you know, like why not? Let's just let's just throw them this bone and you know, let it happen. And when you brought up the the protest episode, right? I, my mind immediately just went to the power of unity, the power of community, right? Like really invoking or trying to force change. And 
you know, you brought up Dwayne. It's like, oh, well, you know, I was wrong. And he takes fault and ownership for it. And the dynamic changes and the conversation changes. Um, you know, I look at, I, I see posts. I see posts. I see events. And I see the, like I brought up earlier this year, I brought up the idea of like this year, this year, like this needs to be like the black renaissance year, right? Like this 2021, 2022, maybe these next five years really need to be like a black renaissance where black people are really creating more art and pushing the experience and culture forward. Um, I mean, for me, this is part of it. Like th- this podcast is part of it. I but sometimes I see, I see language um, and I think about the protests from last year and did, did you go any protest in Philly or New York? I did not. So I'll quickly say this. The reason I didn't go to any protests is because I protested heavy when Eric Garner uh, was killed, was murdered. Heavy. I was out. I was out some maybe like two weeks straight every day after work. I was protesting and I felt nothing happened. So I was like, this time around, I'm not going to COVID's happening. I'm not. I'll support where I can, but I'm not going to hit the streets like I did last time. And I didn't. So no. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did. Well, you know, Erica and I went out like week after week initially. And then, like, you know, the dynamic changed. And I, I saw the jokes. I saw the flim flam. I saw, um, I saw, you know, I, I, I saw, I saw the flim flam by black people, right? I saw the movement get co-opted by black people and the dynamic change and the, everything change. And the like the first time we went out, it was you, know, you you saw a lot of black people. But then day after day, there's white faces. And the majority of the crowd was just white people. And when I watch TV and when I see, you know, you see the riots or you see posts on social media, you see white people. So in my mind, I'm like, White people put boots on the ground last year for the most part. The majority of boots are boots on the ground that I saw directly and indirectly were white people. Yep. So, you know, like to your point of Juneteenth, when I see the the fluke, right? The fluke of just being like, all right, well, here's this, right? Like since you didn't really since blackness didn't really put the effort in to do the work. Right, you know we. I know, I know we we kind of going left, but you know it's it's part of the experience, right? It's part of the experience. It, we all, all this, and you know, in the past we had Martin, we had Malcolm, we had individual individuals to idolize, but now we just have groups, right? Now we just have Black Lives Matter, the group, right? There's a movement and there's a group, and you, I mean, you, you know who's running the group, but you don't know them. You don't you don't know them. You don't know their their backgrounds. You don't know their history. You don't know their real intentions, right? You know, there's the belief that they're you know, and I mean, they they've said it right that they're Marxists. Then, yeah. Mar- what does Marxism have to do with blackness? Nothing, nothing in any capacity. Um, and even and Marxism is Marxism is a white guy, right? Yeah. So like, there's all this convoluted disinformation and confusion. But for me, the bigger picture is just that. What happened during the civil rights era is not what happened last year. And what right now, what little we're gaining is just a fluke. It's just uh, little tidbits, right? Like Black Lives Matter gave their list of demands to Biden, you know, 100, won it within 100 days. Yeah, you didn't get it. 
he didn't get it. Um, and it, you know, it goes back to not, not, not for me, I I'd say not, you know, not really fighting for, for the freedom. And I, and I get it. It's not, it's scary. It's challenging, right? Like there's so much to lose. You know, we, we have so much, we, so we're scared to lose what little we have. Um, so I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know how to, how to, how to end that thought. I don't know. I, I was actually, I didn't want to cut you off, but I was going to say, I actually don't think that we're, we're going off topic. I, this is what this podcast is about. Like, yeah, we should be talking more about the, you know, we did episodes specifically about a different world and, and what, how that affects the culture. But, but the, the culture we're talking about is this. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so I don't think, I don't think we're, you know, we, we spent some time talking about it. It's fine, but I, I do, and I'll leave it at this. I do think creating or having demands or saying this needs to happen and that needs to happen, all that shit is nice. It's cute. But when the demands or when these things are not met, there needs to be action. Right? Right. And that action needs to be developed and talked about before the action actually comes into play. <laughs> and that's been, that's always been a challenge for me. And, you know, you, you, you're one of my best friends. You, you, we talk about this stuff all the time. And, you know, we think having these conversations about culture is important because basically what you and I are doing are, are telling people or letting people know we already been down this road. <laughs> this ain't nothing new. Right. Like these right. conversations that we're talking, these shows, these movies, a lot of these shows and movies, they've been out 10, 15, 20, 30 years and we're still talking, like you said, the protests in the show, the the ballerina episode in the show. Like these are things that have been Arizona, happening, right? They've been George happening Floyd, for years. Black body still dying. Yeah. So, so I think what what we're doing and what we're creating is is we're basically open people attempting to open people's eyes, not even like kind of just doing it on a, a as a part of the conversation to show people that. Civil rights in in the sixties and fifty that like that was then and yes we're having our own movement now but there are things we can we could take from that to not repeat history and learn and be able to move forward and I think there's a lot that's the problem I feel like that we have as a as a people is there's a lot of history being repeated and every now yeah. and then like you said they'll sprinkle a little something on there for us <laughs> and we're like yeah. We got, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they gave us this and they gave us that. Oh, they're going to put, you know, they're going to put a black face on Harriet Tubman on a, on a dollar bill. Whoa. I'm going to be able to see the, her on a dollar bill. Like, it's just, it, I, I'm 100% for it. I'm not going to say no to it, but I'm, but I also really believe that when, when we say we need to set goals, we need to set goals. It could be 50 goals, but how are we going to get to the solution? How are we going to get to, actually you know completing those goals and i think that's you know that's the whole point on, on why i'm rambling about this but yeah right 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 and and also you know it's like going back to the idea of goals what's the next step right like you brought up um harriet tubman on the 20 on the 20 dollar bill and then and then what what is that what is that what does it really mean right what does it really change right um is it saying that she's on equal footing with the presidents? Like, what is it? What is it really telling people? What is it really cueing? Right? You know, MLB on the mound on the on the excuse me, Black Lives Matter on the MLB 
pitching mound, Black Lives Matter, on the um, NBA court. It's gone now. Like no, no one cares. Basketball. It's the finals. No one cares, right? Um, and it's it's you know there's a lack of holding people accountable, right? So last year, Jordan donated 100 million to anti-racist. What is it? Racism against black people. Told you that. Jordan, Jordan and his Jordan brand will donate 100 million dollars to social organizations dedicated to ensuring racial equality. The company announced on Friday. This is from CNBC, CNBC from June 5th, 2020, right? And it's like, okay, great. But what's next? Like, who, who, who's in charge of those organizations? Is anyone keeping tabs of where that money is going, right? Is anyone following up? Is any, are, are, are people going to the inner cities, the black communities? And like, all right, what do you guys need, right? Like, how do we, how, how do we put, put this money into the communities, right? These money, the money goes to these organizations, but the issues have still been going on for years. I, I saw this meme earlier and someone wrote, um, um, I'm gonna try to pull up, but, but so along, along the lines of, someone donated, uh, oh, if a, if Akon, right, can invest, you know, it's like X amount of money and Right, to like 600 million African countries. Yeah. What have these nonprofits been doing for the past 60 years, right? Electricity. He brought, he brought electricity. Right. Electricity, excuse <laughs> me. Not, not just like electricity, right? And that's that ends up being a flim flam, right? So like you you see, and I mean, I, I, granted, maybe that's part of it, right? You know, Akon, he's, he's focusing on his people, his, his continent or his country. He's focused directly on them. There's a deeper, richer connection. Blackness in the United States is just blackness, right? Like I said, I'm Haitian American, right? Like I, I looked at a photo of myself and I'm like, yo, I, I'm I'm Haitian. I look like a Haitian. I look like a Haitian. And I, you know, I accept that and I'm proud of that. But within this realm, I'm this black. So it's just me and African Americans and Jamaican Americans and um Nigerian people and we're all this one big collective group of people. But innately, right? We go. We've talked about tribalism. There's a part. There's there's an innate tribalism in me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I I want to uplift the Haitian experience as a collective. Hundred percent. But I also, yeah. But but I also know that it can't just be that. I know that there's also responsibility for the whole black collective because I am here as a black person, right? And that's you know that's part of the work in this. That's part of like the idea of the the black renaissance and pushing the whole culture and collective. Um, into a new direction. I think people just don't, people, black people just don't see that. Um, because again, we've, the, we've, we've, we've all collectively gone, every group, every race of people has, have collectively gone into that, you know, the echo chambers into the safe spaces where, you know, Thomas is good. I'm good. So I'm good. Like we good. I ain't got nothing to worry about, but you know, like, nah, once you, once, you know, if you, if you have kids, you know, I want to have kids outside of that, you know they're on their own in their in their own world, and if I haven't done my if I haven't done the work, if I haven't been responsible as as an adult to kind of change the narrative and experience forward, instead of like you said, you know, sprinkling having someone up top sprinkle a little something for me, or just having these flukes, they're gonna have a shitty experience too, and I, and I think that's that's what's that's what's being missed, and that's what's being taken away from the experience, right? Are people, more people just kind of focus on self, focus on wanting just wanting to get by and. Just do for self, man, and you know we end up in this in the cycle. We end up in this unfortunate cycle, and powerless to an extent. Yeah, well, two, two things come to mind. One is 
when you talk about tribalism, it, it, it's even represented in, the, in a different world. I feel like a little bit with kind of Whitley's dynamic to, to right. everyone else, <laughs> pretty much everyone else. Right, right. Um, so th- you see little, essentially little sprinkles again of, of how uh, it plays a role. But I feel like it, as the show and the season start to progress, it, 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 Whitley starts becoming, uh, she, she starts to see the light. <laughs> Maybe right. it's because of love. I don't know. Um, but that's one. And then the second thing, and I, uh, I've always thought about this. When I hear that these companies donate millions of dollars to social justice or the NBA is giving millions, like you just said, $100 million to social justice from Jordan Brand. Why doesn't Jordan Brand just create a division in Jordan Brand, like in their own company, hire more black people to, to do job, to, 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 uh, to work for them and create the, the exact social change they want to get people money to do? themselves like why are these companies doing that why why are these companies giving money to organizations and don't get me wrong organizations need the money and organizations are doing good work but why not work in partnership with an organization and create a create a a, a arm under your business that is doing this and and the answer is pretty easy because it's a tax write-off. <laughs> That's why. They don't have to do any work. They literally just... Damn, damn. Hey, you hit them with the uppercut. You're right. You're right. It's a tax write-off. So they're like, yeah. here you go. Here's $100 million. Leave us the hell alone. Put our name on everything. Say we did it. And that's it. And, right. you know, I, I don't want to say every single business is doing this and every single company is doing this. But when I see we care about, you know, I see Nike's, you know, three, four sentences about social change. I, you know, like you said, Black Lives Matter on the court. That's cool. But when the NBA creates an arm or, or creates a division in the NBA that's focused on social justice, and they might have it, so I might be wrong. I haven't done the research. But when they create a division that actually, you know, they have people in their organization that all their job is to do is to connect with the community around social change, social reform, around uh, around uh, prison reform, like like. And and this is such a powerful conversation. So I like that you brought this up. I I think so much about Maya Moore, how Maya Moore, uh, WNBA, WNBA player, yeah, WNBA yeah, player yeah. who who left the WNBA to focus on uh, supporting her now her now husband who was wrongfully convicted, get out of jail, and her and her team and who she partnered up with, they end up getting him getting his release. And now she's married and she's living this great life. And she's like, I don't need the WNBA. The WNBA wasn't supporting what I needed. So I had to do it on my own. And I, and she left her career to focus on that. She's the perfect example of what a whole company could do that has all that, all those resources, all that, all the, all that money. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I appreciate you bringing this up because I think it's important. And I guess the best way to kind of leave it is, you know, we always talk about how these shows impact the culture and what 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 they bring to the culture um, or what they brought to the culture when they were airing or whatever the case may be. I would love to end it on everybody loves a different world. Everybody I talk to about it, especially black people, they love it. Why does it have this level of nostalgia and love that that people, people, are, you know, they, they feel connected to it. Yeah. You and I just spent, you know, hour talking about some of those things, but it has to be something more. Like it has to be something more that people are, 
tied to, you know, the the nostalgia of it. And I always thought it was the love that Willie and Dwayne had. I always that just I always that's something I remember very clearly. But there's so much more to the show that I never hear people talk about. So I'm just wondering, and you know, to end it on on that, what are your thoughts on why people still love this show so much? And what can we take away from this show to help us move forward as as a culture? Like yeah. Um I mean, I, I think it kind of goes back into what I said earlier about the surface. Like, as a kid, you know, considering our ages, considering the show came out in the 80s, right, up to, uh, when, when did it end? Like, 93. Like 1990, 93, right? Yeah. We were teens. We were not even, we were children, right? The, the, we, we cared about the laughs. We cared about the love story. And Dwayne and, Dwayne and Whitley's love story didn't even happen until, like, the end of season four, right? It was this back and forth flow. Um, it was this long anticipation, which is it's it's beautiful within its right. It's frustrating at times because like you know you you want them to to get it right, but it's part of the cell. But you miss everything in between, like you said, right? We missed everything in between, and you know I say we ran like I said I don't remember watching it, but we missed everything in between. We missed the symbolism. We missed the the um the appreciation for like the the bonding of generations, we, we, the things we talked about today, right? The things where, where we've, re, we've realized, like watching it, right? I, like, I want to watch this whole show because there's so much inspiration behind it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think on, on my end, the only, the only answer I have is, and it's not kind of a direct answer, but it's hoping that people rewatch it and Look past the laughter. Look past the love. Look past the, the uh, the star, the love of the characters, right? But look at the collective love of the experience and what it represents. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I ask you that question is because I really believe, and I, 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 we're very much so aligned. But I'm gonna take it a step further. I believe that how you and I watch these 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 forms of media. Um, for the podcast, I think there literally should be either classes or courses out there where we were watching these these uh, past shows and, and we're watching this with intent. Like we're going into it knowing with a goal, right? right? Like you said, exactly. Yeah. We're going into it knowing, like, hey, I want I want to learn how this has affected the culture. I'm I'm yeah, the the fluff is nice, but beyond the fluff, what is what is this representing? What what did these these directors and writers build from. Like, I, I would love, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page and Debbie Allen produced, I would say like 80% of season two through uh, six. Um, and there were other producers and writers, and, uh, there were writers for every show. I would love to talk to those writers and understand what they were thinking, you know, and and what they wanted people to take away from, from those episodes. And then we have to keep in mind, um, which someone brought up to me, a friend of mine brought up to me that, when people were watching the show back then, it was a it was a a week to week show. So they were watching an episode and then have a week to kind of soak in it. Whereas you and yeah, I are watching right. an episode back to back to back to back. So, you know, it, it becomes something that can be a little draining. But when you're watching an episode and in the episode it ends with, you know, black women can't be ballerinas, I wonder what that week was for the, everyone who watched that episode 
anticipating right. the next episode the following week and the conversations that were happening in the community. You know, we don't we don't know we don't know what that was like because because we're watching the show in its entirety. So, you know, I I really hope that we continue to and then when I say we, I'm not just talking about you and I. Anyone who's watching these these shows, these movies, listening to these albums, we're doing it with intent. We're doing it with a goal in mind. Um, and you know, we talked about it when we were, when we were listening to uh, it was written and four four four, listening to it. Or, or written to- testimony. I'm, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm getting. I'm thinking about Nas now. You see, I'm bugging. Uh, written testimony in four four four. Thanks. Um, and how we when we originally listened to it, we heard one thing, and then when we listened to, to it for the podcast, it totally changed our perspective because we had a right. goal in mind. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, not not to ramble, but I'm hoping that that's what people get when you if you're someone who listens, who's listening to our podcast, thank you for rocking with us. You know, of course we appreciate it, but I hope that anything you watch that has to do, you know, I won't even do that. Anything you watch, um, look at it. Have some type of intention and see see what is you know see see what what the underlying story is and what you can gain from it, but especially the, you know things that represent uh, the black culture. Um, I would challenge that. Um, I mean, the only thing I want to add is like piggybacking off your idea of intent is to look for inspiration. I mean, there's entertainment and then there's inspiration, right? Like I can watch the NBA Finals for entertainment but I can watch a different world for, for inspiration, right? The inspiration for both of us is having something to talk about and connecting it to the, the collective black experience. So I, I think that there always needs to be intent with what, what we're consuming and making, um, I, the initial word is responsible, but maybe balance and fair choices, right? Like, you, you know, you, you, you wanna be inspired, but you wanna be entertained also, but leaving enough room in your life or maybe creating space, creating, you know, rituals or consuming content. Mostly looking to be inspired and entertained because the inspiration allows you to do more. Inspiration allows you to create a list. The inspiration allows you to, you know, be boots on the ground to invoke the change that you want for yourself and your, in your life. While the entertainment is just, just for you, right? Entertainment is just for me. It's for me to enjoy it. It's for me to tell people, hey, I saw this and this happened to me. But the inspiration is to cultivate for yourself and for your life experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I say that's it's a great way to leave it. Uh, uh, yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah. So um, this is episode five, six, episode six. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying five because oh, it's a different world. So I'm like, yo, right, 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 right. right. Uh, but yeah, this is episode six. Thanks for listening. Um, and if you want to follow us or stay stay up to date with everything that we have going on, you can follow us on IG. We're just doing IGs now, right? We're not doing we're not doing all IGs. We're just doing the podcast IG. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the podcast. So so uh, a Black Culture Podcast is our IG. Um, and we're going to be doing a club. We're going to do a clubhouse because we have to do season six. So do, do are we going to do a, this would be our, we'll do a clubhouse for, for season six. Cause we, <laughs> we have to finish, finish season six and we, we like right, to talk. Right, right. So you could definitely connect with us on clubhouse. Um, usually we do it on 
Fridays, but I would say if you're interested in being a part of it, definitely follow us on uh, IG and we can announce it there. That's something that we probably should start doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, we'll have that there. And then, uh, yeah, um, I'm one of the, the hosts, Thomas. I'm uh, your other co-host, Clifford. And after the clubhouse, the next episode, next, the last episode we're doing, the last next episode we're doing, and the last one before we take a month off is going to be Fresh, right? Yes. The movie Fresh. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah, that, that's it's good that you bring it up because those who are listening, uh, I would definitely suggest checking Fresh out before you uh, listen to the uh, the next episode. All right. Uh, till next time, peace. Peace out, guys.